full assurance of the forgiveness of their sins. And that's our comfort as we come before God to worship him this morning. Let's now open the word of God that he might teach us. Our reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 2. First John 2, and we'll read the verses 1 through 14. There, John the Elder writes through the Spirit, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing, writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes." I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So far, the word of God. The text to which we'll be giving particular attention this morning are the, the verses 12 through 14 of First John 2, and you'd be helped by keeping your Bibles open to those verses. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, we're reminded in our text that all of us come to church and also to the Lord's Supper at very different levels of maturity. There are some in this congregation who have walked with the Lord for years, indeed for decades, men and women who have known the Lord, who have a deep communion with the Lord of the kind that can only come through years of of hardships and joys and trials and persistence in walking in faith. And there are others here among us who are only beginning to discover what it means to love 
the Lord. There are also children among us who are still learning what it means to live as a Christian and to walk with the Lord. And there are young men and women, many of them in this church, and some of whom are in the middle right now of some of the greatest battles in their lives and in their faith. We can see that John acknowledged this reality as he wrote to the church that he was, he was writing to. And there's some debate about who these different groups are, these children, fathers, and, and young men. Whether he's talking about, about actual children versus actual fathers, is he talking about real age differences, or is he speaking in terms of spiritual maturity, children in the faith versus fathers in the faith. And there are even some who have interpreted these verses as, as all of us are children in some respects, and all of us are fathers and young men in other respects. Before we get into that question, it would be helpful for us to remember why John is writing to this church in the first place. It's been some months, almost a year ago, since we, since we looked at that in, in the first verses of chapter 1, and we're helped by looking at that again John says in in the very first verses of of chapter 1, these things that we have seen and heard and touched from the beginning, we proclaim these to you so that, here's his purpose for writing, so that you too may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he's writing this so that the church that he's writing to would be able to share in the fellowship that he enjoys with with Christ and with the Father. That's the purpose of of this letter. And so John is encouraging this church and reminding them of the gospel so that as they fix their eyes on the gospel, they'd enjoy fellowship with, with Christ and with the Father. And that's also, if you remember, that's why we're working through the letters of John during, during the Lord's Supper Sundays. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember the Supper is all about our fellowship with Christ and with the Father, and consequently with also one another through Christ. So just as that's the purpose of John's letter, so that is also what we celebrate here in, in the Lord's Supper And thus far in the letter, we can see that John has written some words of encouragement, like chapter 2, verse 1. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So words of encouragement, and also words of of warning, like verse 11 of chapter 2, right before our text. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. So words of comfort and encouragement, also words of warning, all of those for the purpose of helping this church enjoy fellowship with Christ and with the Father. And and so now that John has just delivered another hard warning, we can see him backpedaling just a little to make sure that the congregation understands why he's writing what he's writing. He wants them to know he's not writing because he thinks that they are already walking in darkness. That's not why he's giving this warning. He's writing to encourage them and to warn them instead because of who he knows they are in Christ. And he knows what they have in Christ. Not because he doesn't think that they are in Christ. And that's what he really drives home in verses 12 
through 14 in our text. He wants to let them know you are in Christ. You are forgiven. You do have Christ and the Father. And that's why I'm writing to you. Now, I take the the different age groups in this text as being more or less actual age groups. Obviously, there will be some older men and women who are children in the faith. That does happen. But usually the older men and women are also, generally speaking, the more mature Christians as well. And so I take John as as speaking more or less of actual age groups, children, young men, and fathers. And we have to remember that, that everyone in this church was like a little child as far as John was concerned because he was a very old man by the time that he was writing these letters, probably in his 80s, perhaps even in his 90s. And that's why you can see throughout this letter, John addresses the whole congregation as, as little children because almost all of them would have been like little children as far as he was concerned. And so maybe what happened here, here's a suggestion from from John Piper, and it's a good suggestion. Maybe what happened is that John wrote first verse 12, addressing the whole church, calling them little children, just like he did in chapter 2, verse 1, and and a few other places. And, And then he paused and he thought... Well, I don't want to give offense to the older men and women in this church by, by calling them little children, nor do I want to alien, alienate the, the strong young men in this church by, by calling them little children. And so then John also wrote verses 13 and 14. So, so he addresses also then the fathers and the young men separately. It's a very plausible scenario that that's how these verses came to be. But we see anyways that John addresses them then in two sets of three. Children, fathers, and young men. Then children, fathers, and young men. Again. And it seems like the main reason he says it twice, because he almost repeats himself word for word. The main reason he says it twice seems to be simply for emphasis. The, The second set of three is a little different, but not all that different. The line to the children is, is, is certainly different. The line to the fathers is exactly the same the second time. And the line, the line to the young men is only changed a little. So, so it's safe to say he's repeating himself here for the sake of emphasis. And he takes the opportunity then to develop what he says the second time around. What we see in this, this division of, of children, fathers, and young men is that there's one gospel... One truth for many different stages of Christian maturity. That truth is appreciated at different levels and in different ways. And it's the same for for us as we come to the Lord's table. It's the same table for all of us, with the same promises for all of us, but each of us, depending on our maturity, on our walk with the Lord, uh, receive those promises differently, on different levels, in different ways. So John says then, I'm first writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven 
for his name's sake. Isn't that the first and most basic experience of being a Christian? Some of the younger members in this church are just beginning to discover the joy of being a Christian and knowing that your sins are truly forgiven. It's that that earliest experience of a a brand new, newborn Christian, that, that joy and thrill of knowing my sins are forgiven. They're covered by Christ even though I don't deserve it. It, It's a brand new experience to to the new Christian. That gospel, of course, it never gets old. It never wears off, or it certainly shouldn't ever wear off. But it is the first and the most basic reality of being a Christian. And, And young Christians need to know that, that their sins are covered before they can go on and know anything else in in the Christian life. And they need to know that, especially now in light of the warnings that John has given. You're going to hear warnings in in this church. You you always should be hearing warnings. And so John also gives warnings to them. Whoever says, I know him, this is earlier in chapter 2, says, whoever says, I know him and does not keep his commandment is a liar. Whoever hates his brother is still in darkness. Those are hard words. Warnings, And we need to hear those warnings. We have to take those warnings seriously. But those warnings for the young Christian can also very easily throw a young Christian off course, can, can turn a Christian's eyes from Christ, can cause a Christian to start thinking so much about the warning that they forget that their sins are forgiven in Christ. And so that's why the first thing John says is, I'm writing this to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Don't be discouraged, in other words, by the warning. Take the warning to heart because you're forgiven. And and we remember the same thing every time we examine ourselves before we come to the Lord's Supper. We listen to to a series of, of warnings that the Lord's Supper is not for those who lead unbelieving and ungodly lives. But then we also remember, immediately after that, we also remember this warning is not meant to discourage broken and contrite hearts as if only those who are without sin may come to the table. The very reason we go to the table is to remember our forgiveness of sins and our fellowship with Christ. We hear the warning, but we nevertheless embrace Christ knowing that we're forgiven through Him. And so this, this first word, that, that your sins are forgiven for His name's sake, it isn't only for the children. It's for all of us, old and young, for the whole congregation. It's the first and most basic experience of the Christian life, but it's certainly not one that wears away over time. And so, likewise, in the second set of of three, of three, of the second set of three, father or children, fathers and young men, he says to the children the second time around, "I'm writing to you, children, because you know the Father." And, and it's, a, it's the, the other side of the same coin. If your sins are forgiven, then you also know the Father. It's that first experience of the Christian life. To the newborn Christian, it's an amazing thing to discover. I have been reconciled to the Father because my sins have been forgiven by the Son or through the Son. So that's John's word then to the whole congregation, which he calls little children. 
Then in verse 13, if we're going to go with this scenario, he, he pauses to say something to, to the older members of the church. He makes it clear he means no, no disrespect by calling them little children or, or by telling them things that certainly they obviously must have known very well by this point. Every old Christian among us knows his sins or her sins are forgiven. That's not, that's not news to, to any of the older members in this church. And so he makes it clear he means no disrespect by, by treating them like, like little children. So he says to them, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. These are then the, the, the spiritual fathers in the congregation. The, the first experience of discovering that their sins were forgiven through Christ was a long time ago for them. It's still just as precious as ever, but it's not new to them anymore. They've matured, and at this point, they have a, a deep and, and solid relationship with God, their Father. They know Him as, as Him who is from the beginning. That phrase reminds you of the song of Moses that Moses wrote in his old age in Psalm 90. He says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place for all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That's the experience of the older Christian. They've known him since the beginning. They know him as the everlasting God who is their God in their youth, their God in their young age, their God in the middle age, and their God in their old age. When such members come to the Lord's table, they come not as someone receiving forgiveness for the first time in their life, but over and over again as those who have known Christ through the years, through the hardships, through the joys, through the trials, and, and the fellowship that they enjoy with Christ is, is all the sweeter because of the many years that they have come to know him. And, and even all the more sweeter knowing how close they come to the end of their earthly journey and they prepare themselves to go home to be with the Lord. It's a, it's a sweet communion that, that only those who have been with the Lord for years and years understand. So he says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Then finally he says to the young men, and we can presume he includes here the young women, he says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Now that includes probably the majority of us here in this congregation. We're a very young congregation predominated, predominated by young men and women. And that's those who are busy in the daily battles of Christian living, seeking to raise their children in the fear of the Lord, or seeking to model their way of life and their house after the Lord. And they're, they're in the middle of that process of having gone from being forgiven to working towards being holy. It's from justification, that's the, the first experience of the Christian life, to sanctification, learning to be like Christ. And John says to them, I'm writing to you because you've already overcome the evil one. So he's not writing because he fears that the evil one will, will turn out to be stronger than them. That's not why he's giving them this warning He's not writing because he's afraid that they might not overcome the evil one, but because they already have because of who they are in Christ. 
And he develops this further in the next set of three in verse 14. He says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you are strong and because the word of God abides in you. And so you have overcome the evil one. So it's, it's the word of God within them that makes them strong to overcome the evil one. By staying near to the word and staying busy with the word in the middle of that battle for their faith and, and the difficulties of, of life as a young person, they're busy with the word and because of that, the evil one cannot touch them. It's like what we sang in, in Psalm 119 How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? So if there's ever a verse then to to encourage you to memorize scripture, even in the busyness of life as a young person or a young family, this, this is certainly such a verse. It's when the word of God not just exists beside you on your bedside, but within you, when the word of God abides in you, then you are strong and you have overcome the evil one. And so it's with these words of encouragement then for for the children in the faith, for the fathers in the faith, and for the, the majority of us who are in the middle of the battle for perseverance in the faith, it's with those words of encouragement then that that we also may come forward to this table. Those of us who are, who are still children in our faith may come experiencing the joy, the thrill of knowing that our sins are forgiven for his name's sake. We rejoice in that as we sit at the table and take the bread and wine. Those of us who have known this gospel for many, many years and have come to know the Father through the ages as the one who who never changes, who abides forever, who has never left them or forsaken them, they come also rejoicing that he continues to be with them and seals that covenant again through the bread and wine. And those of us, the majority of us, who are still learning to live a Christian life and raise our families in the fear of the Lord and, and walk a Christian life we come not only to remember the forgiveness that we have through Christ, but also to receive the assurance that he remains with us as long as the word abides in us. Through him, we have, we will, we continue to overcome the evil one. When he says, this is my body, which is for you, he gives himself to us. He assures us that he remains with us, that he will not leave us, and as long as he abides in us, the evil one cannot touch us. As much as he might assault us, he cannot overcome us. So then, all of us, children, fathers, and young men, come and welcome to Jesus Christ. Amen.